Dalton here with the Halfway Healthy Show. We'll keep this intro real short and sweet. We have some awesome sponsors you can check out in the description of the episode. It really is the best way to support the show and keep food on my kids' plates. So let's get right into the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Halfway Healthy Show. I'm Dalton. This is Corey. Thank you all for tuning in again today. How you doing, Corey? I am doing well. Hanging in there. Made myself some toast this morning. Burnt my damn finger on our little gonna, toaster I, I oven. I was just going to leave it at I made some toast for myself this morning, and I thought we were going to all give you a round of applause. Not exciting enough. But when I burned my finger, I ran over to the sink because you've always been told your whole life to go run it under cold water. My question to you is, what does putting a burn under cold water physiologically do for the burn because you're not going to repair any of that bullshit does it just cool down the surface level of the skin so that no more damage takes place or what i mean my immediate thought just goes to like what you do for or like whenever they say don't leave ice on your on your knee like on your bare skin for too long because you'll start like deadening some of the receptors so you don't like you don't feel it anymore you know what i mean it kind of becomes numb i imagine maybe cold water just kind of helps with a little bit of the pain in the moment yeah i don't know yeah is it that's my question is it a pain thing is it a salvage some skin type of a thing is it who knows speaking of burns i have see it's weird you've been taught cold water i've been taught mustard yeah but you're from arkansas and they're wrong most of the time yeah, I don't I'm know. An Indiana boy, but my family's Arkansan. And they <laughs> they love that mustard. Some Arcanians. They got. Arcanians. I I will say though that the same people that told me to put cold water over a burn are the same people that told me to put hydrogen peroxide in your wounds and fizz them out to clean it. And once it's done fizzing, then it's clean, and uh, you just put some neosporin on it, and you'll be right as rain. Yeah. Which we know I is not that- true. Well, I was going to ask you, so what is the, cause that's, that's kind of how I grew up too, is like anytime, um, my mom went through like half of nursing school and then left. So she has a half of a nursing degree. So I don't know if she's qualified to, to do any, uh, wound care, but uh, she, I just remember like, I mean, growing up the exact same thing, what you just described, like if I went and got sliced on the porch or something, I would come in, it would be disgusting. We would kind of rinse it with some water, put hydrogen peroxide on it. Once it stopped bubbling then we would dry it off, put some neosporin, throw a bandaid on it. Yeah. I, so what's the, what's, what's the negative? What's, is it, is it bad to not do Or is it, are you supposed to not do the hydrogen peroxide? You know what? Maybe we can do some research and come together next time, next say, week no, and talk about I'm it. No, what's that? What's that chat GBT? Let's be honest here. Okay. Corey and I are both physical therapists. We like, uh, you know, general, general health advice for learning, but we're no wound care specialists. Okay. So let's, uh, let's see what the old chat GPT has to say. Should you put hydrogen peroxide on every small wound? And this is like, I feel like this is the modern day version of using Wikipedia for information. Just go to chat GPT. What, Dude, a, I will say what though, a reliable source. Wikipedia has had kind of a bad rep and, um, it's, I, I've heard multiple, multiple times over the court, like probably the last few years of how Wikipedia, like, I think I, and I could be, I could be fucking talking out of my ass right now, but I've heard multiple times that there's been some studies that have shown that Wikipedia is way, way, way more right than it is wrong. And it's actually a pretty damn good source of information because it's, it is 
peer reviewed. And even though people can edit, they've, they've altered the way that people can edit. So it's not just like anybody can just log on there and do it. And it's kind of like, um, it's referenced, you know, and so it's generally right, more right than it is wrong. Um, uh, and I think that's, and I think that's a change since you and I were a kid or were kids, because I do remember when there, wasn't there a time where literally anybody could go on there and just hit edit and just like put, there were just random facts about Yeah, like, there was a, people. there was a story about this guy who got backstage tickets to like a concert or a sports event because he went onto the Wikipedia and edited himself as a family member to this like artist or athlete or whatever it was. And he pulled up the Wikipedia page and like, Oh yeah, come on in. And he like got backstage for something. Weird. Yeah. But Weird. I, I'm not talking shit on Wikipedia. I'm just saying that, you know, people who search, use Wikipedia solely for their information. Dude, Wikipedia got me my doctorate degree. I, I was on that shit when I was in PT school <laughs> all the time. I have an answer. All right. Let's hear it. Maybe wrong. Maybe right. Talk to me. Right. But okay. Here's what, here's what it is. It makes sense to me. Like what it's saying. So it basically says hydrogen peroxide for minor cuts and scrapes can help clean the wound by bubbling away debris and dirt. You can use it to initially clean the wound, but do not use it repeatedly as it can delay the wound healing by damaging healthy cells. So the hydrogen peroxide can kill some bacteria. It says it's not effective against all types of pathogens, but just like, um, you know how they say sometimes mouthwash is bad for you if you use it all the time, because it's not only killing bad bacteria, it's killing good bacteria too. It says it's best to use hydrogen peroxide as a one-time cleaning agent followed by a proper disinfectant, like an alcohol-based solution. Um, so, and it says, of course, for deeper, more serious wounds, talk to your doctor. Don't fucking just drain it with hydrogen peroxide. But I mean, I think it makes sense, right? It's like, uh, yeah. it can also help with debridement, like where you, whenever you put it in there, that like bubbling can help move some of that stuff maybe to the surface. I don't know, but it also is saying like, this isn't a, a cure-all, which is probably like a Hit it, hit it with it at the beginning, and then you probably still need to do some. Oh, dude, I would, I'd pour stuff. little caps full of hydrogen peroxide. I'd pour fucking 15 of them on my cuts, just waiting for it to dude, stop bubbling because I thought that's and why I was, was it doing that, the right thing. Yeah, and why is it that like every mom has like a half gallon bottle ready to go in her back pocket when you have like a, you walk in with a scrape and she's like, to the sink, to the sink, dude, and you just moms, hold your wrist over. And moms just, are like, it, man. Moms, are. moms know their shit until they figure out 20 years later that they were wrong. But in the time, she was fucking on her shit, man. Love you, mom. I mean, hey, thanks for everything. Chad GBT saying maybe they aren't wrong. There's some, maybe they, they, they weren't fully right either though. Let's be honest, mom. Which as is life, you know, as is life. Hey, as a parent, as I'm learning, we're going to be fucking. All born. right. Since we're here and we're going to waste another two minutes real quick, putting cold water over a burn. What is, what does Dr. DPT say? Yeah. Dr. Dr. GPT. Yeah. Let's see. What, what does, does GPT stand for? I mean, hey, this is what this is what the medical profession is going to turn into. Just with your your doctor sitting in front of you in their office, and they have like you know, you remember in <laughs> remember in school whenever you had like whenever you were taking the test, and they made you put up those folders yep. so that you could the people next to you couldn't see. They're going to have a folder next to their screen so that the patient can't see. They're just on ChatGPT, and they're like, patient has runny nose. Is what the fuck do I fever. say? They're like, yeah, what do I say? And they're like, start with this. And they just start reading. Back and forth on the Dude, they got dual screens. They got Wikipedia on one side. They got chat GPT on the other. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that's what I think I told you this while, while chat GPT is coming up. There's one thing that I, I probably mentioned this on the podcast already, but I'm going to say it again. I have, I've switched primary care providers probably two years ago or a year and a half ago. And I love my new 
uh, doctor and she, she will straight up, like, if I ask her a question that she's sort of unfamiliar with or doesn't know the answer right away, she will just, and she'll use like reputable sources, but I will watch her just get online and just start looking at it. And she's like, well, yeah, it says here that this could be one of the side effects. If this is what you're experiencing, blah, 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 blah. Just like, she'll look at it in real time instead of just bullshitting me, yeah. which is what I, I appreciate. Right. Like, I don't want somebody to bullshit or just be like, yeah, that doesn't matter. And you're like, well, you don't really you don't know if that doesn't. I mean, it's an unrealistic expectation for you to assume that your medical providers know everything about everything. I mean, you don't well, know everything about everything about your jobs or, you know, it's, we're going to have to look shit up. It's okay well, and, to not like, know. Yeah. I think you and I talked about this a while ago too. Um, uh, what was that? Myasthenia gravis. Remember when we were talking about that and we were like, you may see one, maybe two in a very, like in, and that would be rare in a year yeah. if you saw somebody with myasthenia gravis. I've, I think I've seen two or three in my career, right? So like for me to store all the information about treatments and symptoms and everything about myasthenia gravis in my brain doesn't make a lot of sense. So like right. we need a little refresher, but then having the foundation of being a PT and understanding how to, to treat symptoms and how to, you know, treat different things. It's like, you just kind of need that refresher. So like, it's the same thing with being a primary care provider and probably even more because they're seeing more people and they have a, probably a wider range of things that they're having to deal with in the moment. Yeah, for sure. As I um, like it when people can admit that they don't know something, I think a yeah. perfectly acceptable answer is, I don't know, but can I get back to you? That's a yep. fucking great answer. Exactly. Whenever your doctor says that, that they're a keeper, mm -hmm. they are a keeper. Okay. It says for burns, cold water can provide immediate relief and maybe even help minimize the damage caused by minor burns. So you are right. Um, cold water helps to cool down the burned area, which can reduce the heat and provide quick relief from the pain and discomfort. It can also help limit the extent of tissue damage. That kind of makes sense. Cause if you get hit with, if you get hit with a high level of heat, it's not just going to immediately start, you know, it's not going to immediately just go back to room temperature, right? right? Like if it hits you at two two fifty, it's going to continue to burn and then start to work its way down. So if you can hit it with that cold water, it's going to lower that, uh, it's going to lower that temperature. So that makes sense to me. And then reducing inflammation, kind of what I talked about. And then the soothing sensation of like, um, soothing effect on the nerves around the burn, providing immediate comfort and pain relief. Follow-up question. Are we geniuses? Yes. Sick. Uh, Am I smart? says, absolutely not. I'm smarter than you. I know everything about what there is to know on the internet. Fair enough. I believe that. Thank you, sir. I believe Thank that certainly. But yeah, I mean, great. Now people know coming into the, having learned something today, right? Usually it's just a bunch of bullshit. We talk about Corey always brings up something to do with, with farts or shitting. And, uh, usually I go off on a tangent that makes absolutely no sense. But today you have learned about minor scrapes and burns and what to do to treat them. And now right. that you learned, let's move on to the phallic content. Bring it in. Yes. Move on, baby. No, I do want to talk whenever I just kind of going into the stories for today. I did something that I haven't done in a while and, uh, had a lot of fun. So this weekend, uh, talking, talking to Corey before the podcast, I'm absolutely exhausted because I haven't done this in forever. And it's just hot, hot as balls here in Arkansas. Um, I did a tennis event, um, for, as, as a PT kind of being like a sideline, um, athletic trainer sort of style PT where people came to me if they had any injuries or nagging pains or, you know, tennis elbow, ankle hurts, knee hurts. My hips have bothered me for a while. Had some compression boots there, did some dry needling, other stuff like that. It was a blast, but it was 
absolutely exhausting. Um, the cool part was this going into my, into my story. The cool part was, is that there was four, five, I think six pros there. So this, this event I went to is like a charity event and they pay for these pros. A lot of them are retired, but they pay for these pros to come in and play for this charity event. So it brings in more people that wants to come see them. And it's just a big fun event. And, uh, one of the the ladies that I saw that was a former pro, she walked up and I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I'm sure you've had it, like maybe one of your rotations, but have you ever, have you ever noticed like the, it's hard to describe, like, it's not necessarily like the, the swagger, but it's like the, the comfortability to just hop up on somebody's table and just tell them to start working on you that like the general population doesn't have, if that makes sense. So like this girl walked up to me, she's in her fifties and she was just like, Hey, I need you to look at my shoulder and just like hopped up on the table. And like at an event, everybody else would walk up like tiptoeing and they're like, so, uh, what do you, what do you do? What, what, what is this? You know what I mean? They're just like, so this lady just like walked and hopped up on my table and was just like, Hey, you look at my shoulder. So I was like, I could already tell she was like, you know, probably an athlete or something, but I just didn't really know anything. And then after I'm done, she's like, Oh, my shoulder's hurting. So I started working on her shoulder, did some compression boot stuff. And then, um, she walks out and then <laughs> my shoulders goes, hurting, throw the boots on, throw the well, sure, Yeah. Her legs were bothering her too, but I'm like, Hey, your shoulders <laughs> hurt. It's your, it's a knee problem. Let's go. Yep. I'm a, I treat by the meridians. Okay. Mm. I treat by the meridians, not for the actual, mm. uh, diagnosis. Mm. That's right. So, um, so then I, so I'm just like treating her. No idea who this lady is. I'm just like treating her as, as anybody else. Right. And then she goes out and then the, like, she goes out for this like exhibition game and the announcer goes and blah, blah, four time UST, but I just like starts naming all of this girl's accolades. And I'm like, Oh fuck. So then I, I Google her and I'm like, Oh, this, this girl was, she was good. Like very good. Like went to multiple tournaments was like second in the world at some point in time. Um, and it was just cool. And then I ended up, I ended up treating her like former or not treating her, but like helping her with some of her aches and pains over the next, like over the, the, the two days helped her like four or five times, just talking to her. Um, just a really cool experience. Um, my story, uh, long winded at this point, my story was, it's just crazy. She, once she retired, she was like one-on-one -on -one coaching with, uh, some very, very rich person's kid. And then she was telling us that, uh, she has a friend who is a former pro who now trains one child for a rich family and gets paid 400 grand a year. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And she was telling us, she's like, some days she's like, you might work two or three hours training. Some days it might be one. You might get some, you know, some days off, but she's like, yeah, that 400 grand a year to train this kid. And here we fucking are. <laughs> here we are grinding on a podcast, what putting ourselves out there, being fuck. vulnerable. And we've made what? $21. You've so, made you know, 21 was, bucks. <laughs> shit i was trying to hide it from you dude i'm paying to be you. here baby <laughs> yeah it's just it was why when she said that i was like holy shit and she was and she she kind of justified it which kind of makes sense i mean one they were pros and people get paid a lot more now but also she was saying that she used to do it and then she got cut off at one point like was training for multiple years and then got just absolutely shafted and cut off and was like 
then she was out of a job and didn't know what like didn't know where to go or had to go find something else. So like it's not necessarily the most stable job, especially if you're training a child who is going to grow up right. and eventually either quit or move on. But, I'm assuming she's also not living paycheck to paycheck as the you know past number two tennis player in the world or something like that. I'm no, sure exactly. she's fine. Exactly. Um, but it is just it is interesting like that 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 world exists, you know, it's just crazy. That world and exists and we are nowhere near it, baby. No. And I, and I won't mention her name just for, you know, obvious reasons, but, um, but it was Serena it was Williams. Just, it, yeah. Serena Williams comes to Arkansas often. No, it was just, <laughs> yeah. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. No, the, uh, it was just, I don't know. It was cool. Cause I've, I've worked with a lot of, um, I used to work with the Arkansas Razorback football team whenever I was in college. And so they were kind of like, you know, they were okay that year, but still those guys are like treated as royalty, you know? So they, they have all the best equipment and, but they're, they haven't quite made it yet. You know, there's a few guys who are like really, really good, you know, would na like nationally known. Right. So they were, they still kind of carried themselves a little bit, uh, to a higher standard, but no like professional pure professionals who then, you know, are retired or, you know, we're at the top, top in, in the world. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool to work on those people and just realize that they were just very normal people, you mm -hmm. know, very humble down to earth people. Overall, a good experience. It sounds like. Yeah, it was besides like yesterday I was there for 12 and a half hours. It was a hundred degrees and I was under a tent, but I just was slowly baking at a hundred degrees and just the constant, you know, layer of sweat on my body for 12 and a half hours was, was gruesome. I would have liked so. to see an internal temperature on your heating. As that's well. a, that's a nice slow well. roast right there, baby. I could have pulled yeah, you apart like, like pulled pork. Mm. I would just, I would just down a water and then I would go to drink it. I would go to drink and it was empty. And I'm like, I just poured that two minutes ago. And so I'd go get another bottle, another bottle, another bottle. It was the yeah, craziest brutal. thing about living out in these parts general region yeah, of where you're at this. no you're not used to this at all no if i go and i mow the lawn and that's a hot day and i'm i'm talking either late at night or early in the morning when i can do it like the coolest time i could do it i will not piss the entire fucking day and i will drink 120 ounces of water but Never i me. but i sweat so goddamn much that i don't ever have any actual output and it's yeah. it's insane yeah. And that's what I know. I mean, you're coming from Salt Lake and fucking Denver where it's not really humid. It's not humid in Salt Lake, is it? No. Yeah. So like whenever I remember going to PT school and in Denver coming from Arkansas, where our usual humidity, especially during the summer is between like 90 and hundred percent humidity. And I remember going to Denver and it was at some point in the summer, it was around 98. And I walked outside and I was like, this shit's nice. Mm -hmm. It's not bad at all. Whereas 98 here, you know, the, with the humidity, it makes the heat index like 115 and it's brutal. Like you said, I'm, I think it's the same. You probably have the same situation in Georgia, but even this morning I took the boys on a bike ride at eight 30 and I stood outside and said, it is hot. Too hot. I immediately started sweating. Yeah. Eight 30. Too hot. So M, M and I, my wife and I, yesterday we were downtown running some errands and shit and we had some time to kill until our uh, next appointment that we had. And so we thought, you know what, let's go check out. There's a canal by the river. You know, maybe it'll be a little cooler down there. We'll go get some activity. I think we maybe make it made it 0.1 miles and turned around and said, fuck this. This is stupid. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Talk about being stupid. It's, uh, you're you're going to uh, have fun with this one. My dumbass. I spent 
I spent all day yesterday, 12 and a half hours at, at this place in the heat. I was walking up and down this hill, like taking all my gear up and down to my car, walking back and forth to the clubhouse, talking with people, doing PT all day, moving people, you know, and <laughs> I get home. I get home at 845 last night and uh, I get out of my car and <laughs> my first thought was, I don't know if I've gotten enough steps today. So I start, so I start walking down the sidewalk towards the other end of the other the other end of the uh complex and i get like halfway and i'm like what the fuck are you doing go home and so i just turned around and walked back i'm like you you're fine like you're you just baked for 12 and a half hours and you walked up and down hills and you did pt all day and in my head i was first like i don't think i got enough steps so i just started walking like an idiot and i was like turn around get the fuck home it take is, a shower get on the couch it and, is possible yeah. to be consumed by being healthy like or trying to oh, be healthy I've, and bro i and i we had that conversation last time i think i have been there and i am not perfect i still have that mindset but i'm getting better um, but that would have been hundred percent me two or three years ago. Dude, um, you're still just a fat boy at heart. Oh, dude, we could get into fucking weeds with that. I will always <laughs> be a fat boy at heart. <laughs> and always. You're a fat boy at heart. And apparently it sounds like your wife is a single mother with you being gone for 12 plus hours on oh, weekends. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and it's not, uh, Hey, the, the grind, the grind is live and, uh, we're, we're working for the dream baby. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to give you some options today on what story you want to hear because I've I've got a couple Ooh. saved up. I got three options that I think were the most notable over the last week well, that I can saw. Can I say something real quick, though? I see what you're doing because now that it's my option, if it's a bad story, now the blame is on me and the audience thinks that it's my poor decision that made it a bad story. I would hope that anyone listening to us, all 10 of you, would realize that that's not my intention here. But... We'll see where it goes. If you, you may fuck up and make the wrong decision. You've been known and you have the history of it. So I got three stories for you. Do you want to hear about the patient that I had that identified as handicapped? Do you want to hear my patient story about a death threat that I got this week from a patient? Or do you want to hear my story about, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, our heaviest patients, about my experience with a 674-pound giant? Okay. And some of them do are I pretty get, quick. I might be able to get to, to two of them. I was going to say, I was going to say, do I get one or two? Uh, we'll say, say probably the, two. Okay. For the sake of time, I'm going to take out three. And I want to hear, I want to hear one first because it gave me an immediate guttural reaction. Mm, okay. It gave you a little tingle in the wet spots. All right. It let's, did. Yeah, let's get it yeah, done. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you, Momentus, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Momentus specializes in sports nutrition products designed to optimize your active life. They are trusted by experts like Dr. Andrew Huberman, Dr. Kelly Starrett, and over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. Momentus takes pride in having the highest quality ingredients that are backed by rock-solid science. Still questioning their track record? Let me set it straight for you. Over 72% of NFL teams consistently purchase products from Momentus. When you're ready to grab some of the highest quality products on the market, go to livemomentous.com and use code DALTON15 at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Again, that's livemomentous.com and use the code DALTON15 at checkout to get 15% off. Thanks again for Momentous for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This episode is also sponsored by NeuroGum. If you're tired of ripping through pot after pot of coffee, then you need to check out NeuroGum. 
They have a range of gum and mints, so you can choose the flavor of your liking, from classic peppermint to honey lemon and cinnamon. They come packed with caffeine, B vitamins, and my favorite, L-theanine. The theanine is a natural way to decrease those negative side effects that we get from drinking too much coffee, like jitters and anxiety. I notice whenever I use NeuroGum while I work, I get a little boost of energy and focus that's even better than coffee, which is saying a lot because Papa is a coffee addict. The best part is they offer a full refund, no questions asked, if you aren't completely happy with your purchase. Right now, exclusively for halfway healthy listeners, you can get 15 to 20% off their bags of gum or mints. If you just head on over to tryneurogum.com slash Dalton, that's tryneurogum.com slash Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, to claim your 15 to 20% off. Thank you, Neurogum, for sponsoring this episode. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but what do you know about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? I, I know a decent amount, weirdly. Oh, so I've good. only seen, I've only seen two, three cases. Mm-hmm. They call themselves zebras. You know that? No, that sounds like, yeah. that sounds like slang that I should not be a part of. That sounds like, well, you know, now you are, now, you know, it. you can't get rid of it. So I, I've seen three, I believe. And uh, one of the one of the ones that I've seen was my very first rotation in PT school, mm-hmm. like my second patient. So I'm like, I'm freaking out. And so then I go and research it because we don't you don't learn about or if you do, it's like a, a sentence in PT school because it's pretty rare. Or if people have it, you they don't even know it's a hard thing to diagnose. I'm pretty sure. Right. But yeah. So but I saw I think I want to say it was my second or third patient ever. And so I freaked out and went and researched. So I know, I know a little bit, I won't say a lot, but I've, I've, I've seen probably more than, than most people strangely. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things when it's one of your first patients or it's a significant patient, you stand, you tend to like, yeah, that, that shit sticks a little bit. So for me, I did not have that experience with it. I am aware of E it's EDS. I'm just going to say that just to save myself from stumbling over the name multiple times. But, um, basically what I could tell you is it's a disorder that has to do with connective tissue. And that's probably all I would have been able to tell you. So I did a minimal amount of research this morning just to give viewers an update of what we're talking about. So EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, Connective tissue disorder mostly affects skin joints, uh, blood vessel walls. Um, It is progressive, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do for it. And there are so many different fucking types. I had no clue. I thought it was just EDS is just EDS, but there were 13 different types I found when I was doing my research, which was absolutely insane. I wrote some of them down. You know, you have classical, classical, like cardiac valvular, vascular, hypermobile, like you, you, there's, so many different Hyper, types. Hypermobile are are the ones that I yeah, and that's so that's what I think of, right? Somebody with Ehlers Danlos, they have the connective tissue disorder, so they're they have really thin, supple skin, and they have hyperflexible joints, and that's it, right? That's that's all I really know. So, I have a patient, um, twenty one in the hospital, which you'd rarely see. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty young to be in the hospital. TIA symptoms, so in for a stroke workup. Um, history of, of EDS. Um, and it's a female. That's all I have from the chart, right? So I'm going in to do my evaluation. Um, it, this patient was, uh, was a biological female at birth, but taking hormone replacement therapy, becoming a male. 
Mm-hmm. Um, their partner was with them and kind of helped me out with answering some of the questions. From what I understand, this patient is at in a wheelchair at baseline, um, which didn't really make sense to me because at 21, I mean, that's pretty young, especially with no other significant past medical history that I was reading that would lead to that. Um, so was kind of curious about that at first, you know, ask some questions, wheelchair baseline can do some household ambulation, but they have to have their partner with them pretty much at all times. So I get through the evaluation portion, all the questions, and I get up to see them walk and pops right up, goes on a walk, does a couple laps in the hospital, really steady on their feet, no assistive device. And so I'm, I'm just like questioning. So I get back in and because of my professional curiosity, I just ask why, why do you even own a manual wheelchair? Like based on how you just walked, you know, and the answer that I got was, Oh, well I have, I have EDS. And I said, okay, I understand that. You know, we, we talked about that already. I see it in your chart, but why do you use your wheelchair? I have, I have EDS. And so I, I can't do it. So it's like somebody that's so overwhelmed with this diagnosis that they have. And they probably had one of those doctors. We've talked about it before, right? Where they're like, your lungs are garbage or, you know, start saying your goodbyes. You're not making it another week or, you know, don't buy green bananas. Yeah, exactly. Oh God. Is that a new one too? Um, Shit. Uh, So it's just, it was just so weird. Their understanding of their diagnosis. They're like, yeah, you know, I'm probably this is probably going to take me, you know, as a 21 year old kid, not walking anymore, which is really going to fuck up your prognosis if you're not moving. And do you, did you already say this, but did you know, do you know which one of the EDS she had? Like which I didn't even know there were so many different types. And my guess so just, based yeah. on reading briefly reading through the 13, I would guess classical. Like it was really just yeah. a, and that's really all they told me too. You know, we're like, uh, when I stand, I hyperextend my knees and it's painful. And Upon doing my, you know, objective assessment in standing, they were at neutral, you know, maybe they were guarding mm-hmm. a little bit or something like that, but no braces. Oh, did she, did she mention a, a, a history of like frequent falls or like uh, getting hurt he, while walking? Yeah. It, he and no, oh, sorry. No. Okay. So yeah, you would wonder maybe like the, the fear was so high Yeah. that the wheelchair became the baseline. Yeah. And then I just started, you know, having that conversation about prognosis and, you know, trying to stay up on your feet and limiting the progression and, you know, all the risks. It's only going to make things worse. Exactly. So I started having that conversation and then the anxiety kicked in, man. Like I'm Mm -hmm. talking hyperventilating, like can't control themselves because I'm, you know, asking if there's more walking that they can do or increasing the activity level through their day. And just, it was just such an odd moment because yeah. it wasn't somebody that struck me as having the inability to have a conversation like this or inability to comprehend what I'm trying to tell them, but it was just complete shutdown. So it was something me, that the, yeah. the, I heard them use the term that I'd never really heard before. And I, I think it was like trans ableist, like I identify you. No, that's what, that's what the patient said. The partner said it about the patient. And I did a little bit of research and like trans ableist is like almost like an identify as handicap kind of a thing. It's like, and I I tried to do a term, isn't there a term of like, if you're a, I thought ableist was a bad thing. So if you look at it like a, as a racist and ableist is like you, 
you treat people differently if they're not able to do I don't know. I could be. Yeah. I, so I just kind of looked it up because I don't know any, I'm, I'm not very culturally aware of this sort of stuff. So it was good for me to do some research anyways. But what I found is trans ableism is a newer term for B I I D or body integrity identity disorder in which a person actually identifies as handicapped. Um, Hey, listen, I'm going to say this. I love everybody. I could give a fuck what you decide you want to do. You love I'm everybody. Yikes. I'm not going to remember. All I'm saying is I'm, I'm on the team that says you do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. It's your body. I'm not going to remember any of that, what you just said. And I'm sorry to anybody who identifies or wants me to know that, but I'm, I can't, it's too many, too many acronyms. I just don't, but I'm cool. You do whatever you, you don't, do. you don't have room in your brain for all this stuff. You got a lot of shit going I, on, but I don't, for me, it, it just puts you, fuck it, up. it puts you in an impossible position as a healthcare provider, right? It's like, that is, and we've talked about checkmates before. We talked about the God checkmate, right? Of, oh, God's got me from here. It's like, okay, well, I tap out. Thanks. Thanks for coming in. Bye, I guess. But that's another thing. It's like, well, I identify, and those words never came out of anybody. I just like pulling, cueing terms from people and trying to understand anything in that situation. Yeah. So it's like checkmate. It's like, okay, you feel like you can't do it. So then what's the next step? Do you need like counseling or do you need a different doctor who's going to, you know, encourage you to be more active? I don't know, but super, I mean, that was a, it was a lot all at once trying to, you know, navigate the cultural stuff, the societal stuff, the hormone replacement therapy, the ideology behind their deficits and trying to put it all in one. And to be honest, I don't really feel like I helped the patient all that much. I mean, ultimately it was just a, I recommended just going home. You have your equipment, go home. Oh, they wanted, I don't even know what these braces are called, but they wanted me to order them bilateral waist mounted hip knee ankle orthotics waist mounted like the ones that come all the way up to your hip and you wrap them like a belt around your waist you have a and the bar goes down Mm. has like a hinge at the knee hinge at the hip Mm -hmm. interesting yeah and i said that is something i can guarantee you i will not be doing for you but you can look into it independently yeah that's that's crazy. Super odd. Well, I don't know yeah, if you've ever odd. had any experiences like that. I don't no. expect you to have because that I was say, really out there for me. Yeah, I will say I may I may get uh, an, an attack from the zebras, but I will say that the all the EDS people that I've seen have been a little different. They just I've, I've all been a little different hmm. in terms of like usually high anxiety, a little strange, which I would consider myself strange as well. So it's not really a jab, but just they were strange people. Interesting. And, but they have, I will say, um, just to give some clarity, and I do need some help uh, because uh, you are smarter than me and I won't let you refute that, but I need some help on understanding what the hell this means. So the term zebras, I did, I did some just some research while you were talking, because I've, I have heard that term from two people now who have had EDS and have called themselves zebras. So it says that this term is actually used in both the medical community and in the EDS community. So the medical community calls them zebras and the, uh, the actual people themselves with the diagnosis call themselves zebras. It says, this is what I need help with. It says that in the medical terminology or in the medical community, they, they're called zebras because... This term comes from an old saying that doctors are taught during their training. When you hear hoof beats, think of horses, not zebras. This saying is meant to encourage doctors to consider common and likely diagnoses or horses 
rather than rare and unlikely ones when evaluating patient symptoms. So are they saying because they're zebras, like it's commonly misdiagnosed and people will put them into a category that they're uh, not Okay, yeah, under? that makes sense. The way I was reading that, I was just saying like, if you're hoofbeats, it's probably a horse, not a zebra. But I see what you're saying. It's kind of like giving that as a, as the, maybe the wrong way to. Yeah, it's to like they are the out. differential diagnosis, right? They are not gotcha. the, they're not the horse, they're the outlier, I guess yeah. would be my, it, would be my guess. But it, yeah, I don't no, have a lot sense. of experience with with EDS. So I am definitely going to keep my, I mean, the next time I see somebody, I'm going to have these moments pop back into my head about, holy shit, what am I walking into? Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, um, oh, what would be like, um, fibromyalgia or, um, even Parkinson's. I mean, Parkinson's is something that generally is, it takes many, many different diagnoses to get to Parkinson's, right? Mm. Like they, they think it could be this, it could be that it could be, and they just keep going until eventually they're like, Oh, I think you have Parkinson's unless it's like so far gone. That's very clear. But um, usually you have a diagnosis by then. It's pretty obvious. Exactly. End stage, yeah. yeah. But sometimes they get it, they catch it early, but it takes like weird shit going on for a while for them to be like, okay, we've tested this and this and this, we think it's this, but then it ends up being Parkinson's or ends up being EDS. People think that we're an advanced society, but honestly, healthcare, it is a lot of trial and error and it is fucking barbaric. Like the shit that we do is sometimes insane to me and the practices that we still use. And we are just not, I don't think we're as advanced in the healthcare field as people think that we are. Um, there's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of just like guessing. I mean, you try, okay, you have these symptoms. Let's try this medication. If that doesn't work, we'll try you on this one. We'll try you on this one. And then you get your diagnosis based on what works. Oh, okay. This antibiotic work, then you must have this, right? It's super trial and error from what I see, you know, and you see these diagnoses, especially in the hospital setting, these diagnoses change all the time. They come in, for seizures, turns out, you know, they have a brain bleed or something like that, or, you know, it's, it's constantly evolving as we learn more. So yeah, it's, I I don't know, I guess it's okay to be clueless and it's okay to be a zebra, but most of the time you are a horse. You're a horse. Yeah. Well, you were saying things would be a bar, like just we're kind of barbaric a lot of times with our treatments or the way that we go about treatments is like, it's a teaser for one of my five minutes to health points, but it just, we're so stuck on and I had this conversation actually at the event we're so in medicine, we're so stuck on treatment versus prevention. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we're treating, treating, treating symptoms instead of preventing the disease itself to begin with. Right. Which is pretty barbaric. It's like, we're just letting people not letting them obviously, but people are just getting diabetes and heart disease and all of these things. And then we're treating those symptoms versus yeah, let's prevent that from happening. I mean, when's the last time somebody went in and like had their A1C checked to make sure that they aren't at risk for getting diabetes, you know, usually not until they have Medicare and they have to do like a Medicare check every year. Right. And so it's like a, you get that shit checked once something's wrong, we should be focusing on getting these checks. Oh, you're starting to get on high normal. Here's some things that you can do to prevent you from getting diabetes and becoming dependent on insulin. But that's not where we're at right now. You know, no. let the no. barbarism can continue. Is that a word? Exactly. Barbarism. I thought you were saying barbers, like, uh, giving a reference to like how barbers used to be the, uh, used to be the medicine people. Is that true? I'm pretty sure. Right. Isn't that like, uh, the whole, isn't that the Sweeney Todd thing? I don't know. I mean, that's uh, pretty sick though. I'm getting a craniotomy. Hey, while you're up there, can you just take a little bit off the top? Maybe a, a like a skin fade or something. I, why do I think that's true? Yes. Historically, barbers had the roles that extended beyond hairstyling and grooming. Many cultures, barbers were involved in medical and surgical practices. 
association between barbers and medicine dates back to ancient times, continued through the Middle Ages and Renaissance periods. They used to do bloodletting, minor surgical procedures like uh, tooth extractions, lancing abscesses, and even amputations in some cases. Setting fractures. Like how long ago were we talking? Shit, dude. I mean, whenever the through the Middle Ages and the Renaissance periods. So that would have been what, like the uh, when were the Middle Ages? I'm so bad with history. Uh, Middle Ages were in the late fifth. Wait, oh, approximately from the late fifth to the late fifteenth century. So I mean, as as frequently as like maybe in the 1400s. What was that like? 20 years ago. Yep, pretty recent. Fuck. Maybe we should bring it back. Dude, I, I want I want a fucking barber like taking out a mole or something, you know? I want them cutting my hair and they're just like, here, let me freeze this real quick. Mm-hmm. Just remove Speaking it. Speaking of barbarians, I want to show you a clip real quick before we jump into the five minutes to health. May I, may I do that? Mm-hmm. Continue. I want to, to know your take on this. Let me know whenever you can see this. Hold on. Let me get this fucking full screen. I can't see a fucking thing. I just, I just made it bigger. Can you see it? All right. I got to move my Ish. thing. Go play it. Do it, dude. You ready? Let me know. Make sure you can hear it. Just tell me if you can't. All right. That's enough. I, I'm not going to well, lie. What do you think, man? As a, as, a, as, a, as a recent vegetarian, you know, we, we talked about barbarians, people who could only hear it, couldn't see it. That was a video of the now estranged liver king who's clearly gone off the deep end. Rest in peace. Looks looks not like i was gonna say boy needs to get back on a steroid cycle because he looks like fucking dog (laughs) shit he he just i dude i feel bad the guy's the guy's gone gone overboard he just looks like he's in rough shape and uh yeah it's just a video of him with a giant mixing bowl full of raw milk as he says milk with an e yeah oh i didn't catch that dude he said they eat testicles and raw milk milk it's milk? just a full bowl of giant bull testicles, raw milk, and then he sprinkles some cocoa on it, it looks like. And he's just eating them raw. I think there's one thing that we can take away from this, and it's that people will do anything for clout. Don't go dipping fucking balls in milk and eating it. You don't need to do that to be healthy. And you don't even big, need to do that to be primal at all. It's funny. You, you, have, uh, you have wanted me to do the uh, car- a carnivore uh five minutes to health for a long time and I'll, I'll give you a teaser it's not on this episode but uh thank thank god you still haven't listened to me yep i know uh and so it's just funny because there is a i don't know if you see it but every once in a while i pop up my feed where there's just another person talking about why they just eat raw steak or why they just eat raw liver with a fork and like no salt no pepper and I just what a fucking what a bitch dude you're gonna eat raw steak and you're gonna use a fork to do it what a pussy that ain't I primal couldn't even do it because you but it's just like i don't know use your nothing, hands nothing at all sounds appealing about that yeah i mean typically anything that starts with testicles isn't something that i'm too interested in eating um let alone soaking it in raw milk and tossing some fucking cocoa pebble knockoff on top of it yeah i don't know i don't even know what that stuff is i'm sure it's something that he sells um he's great at that uh but it looked like just cocoa powder but I don't know if it had like some other like protein or mm-hmm. bull testicle desiccated shit in it. I don't know. Dude, but. he's going to be the next. What's the guy's name? The Nikocado avocado. 
the, how he like started of, healthy and like liver king yeah. when he was on roids he was hanging in there and yeah now he's humongous just eating every fucking testicle he can get his mouth on yeah man i mean his his like his feast that he shows is are pretty insane um okay let's uh i think it's time to jump into the five minutes of health i think are so you ready let's do it okay beauty so for everybody listening, this is whenever we jump on and talk about the five things that are either trending or interesting topics to talk about in the health world. And this is what I've come up with for this week. This is your five minutes to help. No, get the All right. Let's go. Come on. We love a good, realistic weight loss diet when we see one. With over 380 million views, the mustard and cottage cheese diet is going viral on TikTok for some reason. Is it legit or is it just malarkey? Let's find out. So the diet doesn't only include the workhorses, mustard and cottage cheese, but also raw veggies and sausage. And that's it. So mustard is one of my favorite condiments and objectively better than ketchup, but nothing really too special there. Cottage cheese is a great source of protein and fats. Raw veggies have fiber and obviously are good for you. Screw you carnivores. And sausage, I'm not, I'm not really sure why it's there, but yeah, more protein and fats, not a bad thing. So nothing in here is a magic weight loss concoction. Connect the dots, people. It's just like every other diet, it's restrictive. You eat less junk overall, you eat less calories overall, you lose weight. Next, what is rhodiola rosea and how can you get your hands on it? Even though it sounds like a black market plant you'd buy from a guy named Blaze behind a Panera, rhodiola is an herbal supplement with some surprising effects. Trending mostly due to the boost from our beautiful bearded disciple, Andrew Huberman, rhodiola has been shown to decrease fatigue, boost exercise performance, and decrease brain frog. Brain frog. Well, whatever. Even some studies suggest it could help decrease anger. So I went ahead and bought my wife two bottles. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I bought three. Anyways, the plant has been used for centuries, but has just recently come on to a lot of people's radars. And it seems for good reason. The effective dose ranges anywhere from 200 to 600 milligrams with some venturing more or less. I'm always a fan of the minimal effective dose. So if you want to try it, start low and just see how it works. Go up from there. YouTube is stepping in with the ban hammer on videos that they consider cancer treatment misinformation. This comes at a time where everyone is worried about big corporations and their power to censor, but this one makes some sense, I hope. There's been a spike of videos that are claiming extreme results from alternative treatments for cancer, and they're demonizing or downplaying the effects of traditional medicine. YouTube made this statement in a blog post. YouTube says it would take action both against treatments that are actively harmful, as well as those that are unproven and are being suggested in place of established alternatives. Some of these videos have hundreds of thousands of views, so a lot of people are being affected. Clearly, this is not an easy task, trying to sift through what's right or wrong, but hopefully they can mute the charlatans causing damage out there. And unfortunately, there seems to be a lot of them. Next. so. The Musk and Zuckerberg fight is off, it seems, and Elon seems to have lost his fucking mind. With weird, baseless threats to go to fight Zuck in his backyard and tweeting knock-knock like he's at his door while referencing his balls for some reason, 
Typical Elon, I suppose. Boys will be boys. But let's get into the real meat of it. What's this have to do with health? So Zuck recently released that he's on a 4,000 calorie diet at the moment. People already dislike this poor guy for the way he drinks water, but now he can eat more than you too and still look like he's ready to go to war. Zuck is clearly reaching his final form with a power level of over 9,000 and he needs the calories. Not everyone needs 4,000 calories to put on mass, but some do. It's a numbers game. And if you aren't reaching your goals, you need to turn that dial up or down a little. You can, bash him, you can bash him all you want, but the guy is putting in work and consuming the calories he needs to grow. Next, people have been sharing their medical hot takes on social media, so I'm going to take a stab at it. First, just like you pay a plumber when something goes severely wrong, health insurance should be for extreme cases only, and general services should be free. Next, if you don't get a second opinion, don't have the surgery. Some doctors are cut happy. Others are more conservative. Get a second opinion, always. Next, despite your Aunt Barbara's 40-year back pain, being in pain is not normal. Get help. And if that person doesn't help you, fire them before it turns into chronic pain. Chronic pain sucks, and it's much harder to treat. Next, medicine needs to make a full switch into prevention over treatment. How about we start focusing on preventing diseases before it ever happens? I know, crazy. Finally, basic health education needs to be taught in school. It's insane that we learn what sedimentary rock is, but don't know about basic nutrition, exercise, and mental health. End rant. That's it. That's your five minutes to help people. Zbiotics. Are you tired of the negative effects that alcohol can have on your body the morning after? Do you wish there was still a way to enjoy some alcoholic beverages? Well, there just might be. Zbiotics is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic drink that helps you break down and process alcohol without the negative side effects. It's like having a personal bodyguard for your gut. Zbiotics is backed with over 10 billion CFUs of scientifically backed probiotics that work to optimize your body's natural alcohol processing capabilities. And it has added electrolytes and vitamins, which makes it the perfect drink to enjoy before a night out. I know for myself, it drastically improved the way that I felt waking up the next morning after having a few too many drinks with my friends. So why not give Zbiotics a try and experience the benefits of a healthier, happier gut? As a special offer for our listeners, you can go to zbiotics.com and use the code DALTON10 at checkout to get 10% off of your order. Again, that's zbiotics.com and use code DALTON10 for 10% off your first purchase of Zbiotics. Cheers to a healthier way to drink. Thank you, Purple Carrot, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Are you tired of the same old boring meals every week? Do you want to eat healthier but don't know where to start? Then it's time to try Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot is the plant-based meal kit company that makes it easy and delicious to eat more vegetables. With Purple Carrot, you'll receive weekly deliveries of pre-portioned ingredients and recipes that are designed to be easy to follow and delicious to eat. Each recipe is created by professional chefs and features fresh, seasonal ingredients that are packed with flavor and nutrition. And because all of their meals are plant-based, you can feel good about what you're eating and the impact it has on the environment. So why wait? Sign up for Purple Carrot today and start enjoying delicious, healthy meals that will make you feel great from the inside out. As a special offer for our listeners, by clicking the link in the description, you can get 30% off of your first three boxes. Again, just click the link in the description and you'll get 30% off your first three boxes with Purple Carrot. Eat responsibly. 
What well done. Like? Well done, my friend. A couple flubs there, yeah. but you know, it. Your brain was a little froggy during that, but that's okay. Yeah, we had 30 fucking hours in the sun this weekend, so give me a break, people. Jeez, okay. God, you don't have to be mean about it. Let's no, no, let's no, 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 break no, no. this down, okay? Please. Let's please. start up at the top with why, what happened in your childhood, who hit you and who touched you to make you like mustard more than ketchup. Man, I wish Ziggy was here too because Ziggy has a like a repulsion for mustard. Um, I don't know, man. I just have never been a mustard dude. I was the kid, or sorry, I've never been a ketchup guy. I have just now recently in the last like five years even tolerated ketchup. It's fine. But even as a kid, I would eat French fries with mustard. And I'll say that publicly, but I did. And sometimes I'd make the, what do they call it whenever you mix the ketchup and mustard together? And they call it, it's not fancy sauce because that's whenever you put little, uh, little mayo in there too, I think. But fancy, I, it's fancy bit. when you just put the three most basic condiments and stir them together. Yes. I think they call them fancy sauce. That's what they called it at, uh, we had school. we had at our region where I lived in Utah there was something called fry sauce. I've also heard it called yum yum sauce, where it's more I of think like that's fancy sauce. No, it's ketchup and mayo though, and sometimes some okay. people spice it up and put a little BBQ in there. But and I'm yeah, not a, I'm not I think a, that is I think that's fancy sauce. I'm not a I don't, uh, I don't think ketchup advocate. I'm not here fighting for my life on a hill that is ketchup, but mustard is, I think objectively grosser than ketchup and more superior than all of those ranch also more superior than both of those honey mustard i i disagree i think it goes in terms of like do it all i have to put and this hurts me but i have to probably put ranch above mustard but i would still go i would still go ranch regular mustard honey mustard and then ketchup I could do without ketchup. And as you can see from our cultural background, those are the only four condiments that we're taking into consideration. <laughs> so that yeah. tells you a lot. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Rotella Rosea. Spell that for me. Rhodiola Rosea. R-H-O-D-I-O-L-A. It's too fast. It's too fucking fast. Try again. Well you're, well, you're looking at third place in Arkansas Spell and be champion. So, uh, what age RH, group? What are what age group? Uh, uh, six to eight. Very cool. That none of that was true. R H O D I O L A, Rhodiola Rosea R O S E A. Hey, I had Rosea right. Good shit. It is a herbal supplement that's been used for centuries, and I heard about it for the first time from Andrew Huberman on a podcast. And uh, doing some research on it, it's I actually have a bottle in the cabinet, and I'm haven't tried it yet, but uh, I'm going to give it a go because there's, I mean, a lot of actually really good studies. I'm surprised it's not more popular. And I don't say that from first personal experience, but I've seen a lot more popular supplements who have absolutely no fucking research behind right. them. So I'm just surprised that this isn't more popular. Interesting. Okay, what's so? What is the recommended dosing? Because you were saying start with a minimal so, dosing. Yeah. So generally, um, let me just double check, but I think I said somewhere between 200 and 600. Um, and you can get it in powder form or capsule form there. It was interesting. So most of the studies that I saw showed that whenever they did compare, they would do like a, a three, three different treatment groups, one with a placebo and then one with the lower dose, one with the higher dose. And generally the two doses had no significant differences and they both had benefits. So in my mind, that's even more of a 
you know, push in the direction of try the least amount, see if it works for you. If it does, great. If you try more and it does more for you, great. But if, you know, if the minimal dose gets you good effects, then you probably don't need to do more. Interesting. Um, and what remind me what those effects are. After you started so, talking about Zuckerberg eating 4,000 calories a day, I forgot everything. <laughs> yeah. So um, generally, the, the biggest ones that I've heard of and that I saw in the research was for the fatigue and energy stuff. So I know Huberman talks about it specifically for him. He talks about how he uses it for a exercise boost. So he takes it before. Like a pre-workout almost. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like a pre-workout. I believe, okay. I believe it's like 30 minutes to 60 minutes before you go work out. But, um, and I, I could be speaking out of turn here. So I would encourage people to, to look this up, but I think I remember Huberman even talking about how he cycles it. Like he doesn't use it every single workout every day. Um, but either way, I've never used it. So I, you're not getting any of this from personal experience. It's just from what I've read, but again, pretty surprising studies. I mean, with, with some good, some good solid research behind it. So, hmm. um, definitely. And I, I even saw some anecdotal research or some anecdotal evidence from people saying that it got rid of their, they had, you know, 15 years of brain fog and they started taking rhodiola rosella and rhodiola rosea and it helped them with their brain fog. So people who have had like chronic fatigue syndrome it helped them improve their fatigue symptoms, um, stuff like that. So I think it's, it's definitely interesting and something to take a look at. Is chronic fatigue syndrome just a synonym for lazy? <laughs> so we both said the same thing. Um, no, Okay. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no. We don't have to expand on that right now. Just curious. YouTube bans cancer alternative videos. I am a humongous advocate for people doing their own research. So I opt for more information, not less. And if somebody wants to shove a handful of baby carrots into the black of their asshole because they saw somewhere that it's going to cure their prostate cancer, by all means, do that. In no way would I recommend it. Do your own fucking research. But I also feel so that there's... Saying, are you anti you're anti-censor? I mean, I generally? just... I feel like there is... I mean, when you start putting let's get, like let's get into censoring it. limitations into place, like at what point do you say, like, okay, that's an invasion of like freedom of speech or something like that, right? Other sure. people are putting out what... like just as dangerous videos by recommending some of these horrifying diets or exercise routines or, you know, sure. just anything. It doesn't have to be healthcare in general. There's a lot of dangerous stuff out there. And so I think yeah. for people, especially those who are in end stages or, you know, have terminal diagnoses or something like that, and they are looking for some type of hope or just, you know, want to try anything that somebody found success with, I don't really find a problem with it. Again, I encourage everybody to do their own research and always get a second opinion before they try anything. So I don't know, man, I don't know where yeah, I stand I, with it, but I, I think, um, I don't know. I think this is interesting to get into because I think this is a, it's a political topic, even though it doesn't have to be. And I think people who are super into, um, but you know, I think it, it goes both ways of people who are really far right or really far left in terms of like how defensive they get about the freedom of speech versus like the censoring of misinformation, right? Like that word gets used a lot. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about this one, to be honest, because I, I tend to be on your, I, I, I tend to be on your, on your team. Yeah. Your spectrum with, I don't like censorship because I agree. I think you should be able to put out what you want to put out and people should be able to know, or at least do their own research and know what's bullshit or what's not. An or at least another thing they should be teaching in school. You mentioned something about like general healthcare and how yeah, about teaching people but, how to deduct and have critical reasoning and stuff. 
but I will try and counter the opposite or try and fight for the opposite because I think it's, it's not a hundred percent black and white for me. And I think if you, there has to be some censorship, I believe there has to be some, cause like, I, I think the obvious, the obvious criticism would be, you know, why does YouTube know what's what an alternative, like how, if an alternative could be actually beneficial, right? And there are alternatives that are beneficial. Cause even if you remember in my statement, I said that they, they mentioned, you know, uh, whether they were going to be banning things that were, uh, clearly wrong from accepted, uh, or researched alternatives, right? So they're still saying that there are also some alternatives that are good, but I think that's where we told that line, right. Of like, if they can get rid of like the extreme cases, right. Where they're like, Hey, instead of doing, instead of doing chemo, you know, put 250 leeches on your stomach and, you know, let them go to town or something. Like if they can filter out that shit, cause my only concern is this, like, and it's tough because when it comes down to what you just said about like health education, right. Very, very piss poor health education in our country. So like you and I both know a lot of even the general population might know whenever something is either bullshit or when they say, eh, I don't really know. I'm going to go look somewhere else where some people are like, oh, I got on YouTube and this person's talking about bloodletting for my, for the for specific cancer that I have. And there's 290,000 views on this with, you know, 50,000 upvotes. This must be true. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where it gets like, I can see the counter argument to say, no, you've got to get rid of that video because some people, and it's not, it's not YouTube's fault, I guess. It's not our fault if they believe it, but it's also like some sort of a sense of protection whenever YouTube is like the main source of information for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's hard for it's... me. I lean towards I lean towards the generally don't censor and allow people to make their own decisions. But I mean, again, it falls into what you of, were just saying of like it's tough, man. I don't yeah. want to be in that situation. I'll tell you that. I, I'm I'm glad I'm not the one that has to determine whether or not something is misinformation or not well you you, know? you were just saying you know like it's i don't know for me i've been watching a ton of like home improvement videos on youtube and i've been doing a lot of like electrical work in a unfinished room my brother-in-law is helping me out with and i'm watching a ton of videos that are like i could fucking kill myself by touching the wrong wire by doing this so that now are we going to censor every single electrical video that goes up because they gave out misinformation i mean like where do you draw the line and sure. so for I me mean, okay. would, i would be interested in knowing who is reviewing this and who is saying what needs to come down you know is it medical that, doctors yeah. is it oncologists how would you how would you feel about if i uploaded a video tomorrow about here is every single supply you need and how to build a pipe bomb. Like, do you think that that should be on YouTube? No. Yeah. And so no. I think That's a I good agree. Point. I agree. Right. And so I think that is a, that is a defense again, or that's a defense for censoring. So right. I can't say that I'm completely against censoring because I'm not, I think that there's clearly videos. You shouldn't allow a fucking porn video to be on YouTube because any kid could get on that and see it or any, any, buddy that doesn't want to be on that could go see it right so there's got to be censoring of some sort but then it then it comes down to okay if you're okay with censoring then where is that line right that's the that's the clear argument and i think that with the cancer stuff like i i get it again again i think that there's probably going to be an argument to say well what if they take away something that could be or there's some limited evidence that it could be helpful right i it, yeah i don't know man it's it's such a such a hard conversation to have absolutely sure, you know we could have that i would be very interested to have that conversation with somebody else too you know like a different healthcare professional who maybe is even in the 
the cancer field or something. Maybe we can look into that or just having a conversation with somebody else and on the censorship stuff, because it's such a tough topic. I mean, it's not black or white. It's never going to be black and white. There's no formula that YouTube can create to limit what information is posted. It's always going to have to be cycled by humans to determine what's right and what's wrong. I just think that the right people need to be in charge of, you know, what's put up. So if it's pipe bombs, I think any low level sensor employee for YouTube could probably take that down. Child porn, any employee could put that down. But when it comes to healthcare advice, I don't think that, you know, the kid just out of high school should be responsible for censoring those videos. I think that there needs to be some type of education or, but again, how do you implement that? I don't fucking know, man. I just work here for free. Well, uh, do you have any other thoughts on that? Because nope, I want to talk, I want to talk about our boy Zucky the fucky truck. He's back, pounding four thousand calories in a day, which is absolutely fucking absurd. Could I do that? Yeah, but would I look good like him? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, he could be a lizard. He could drink water weird, and he could love sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce all you want. But that boy would fuck you up. Yeah, and the thing is too is that what people don't. I mean, people probably do realize this, but he's also not a very big human. He's like five, what do we look at? He's like five, seven, five, eight, 160 pounds, 155. So 4,000 calories is quite a bit. I will say that. But from what I've heard his routines are, it makes sense. I think he's doing jujitsu like an hour or two a day. I think he's lifting. He has a very intensive job of like even just brain power, which we know burns calories too. Um, but I will say just the reason I want to talk about it is because I feel like a lot of people, they get worked up about the number when they see like 4,000, they're like, Oh, what the fuck? That's unhealthy. There's no way. But in, in reality, like just to give an example, I generally, I generally like naturally run about six foot 180, 185, depending on you naturally trying, run six foot. Is there a time where you're yeah, not naturally running six foot? <laughs> Some days. On, yeah. Six one. Yeah. Um, naturally with my feet on the ground, I'm six foot, um, but I'm 180, 185 pounds. But if I'm trying to put on mass because I'm generally very active and I mountain bike and lift weights and I just am constantly moving throughout the day, my, and I probably don't, I don't do as much physical activity, maybe as Zuck, maybe in like the, whenever I was doing a ton of stuff, maybe close to it. But I mean, to put on, to put on weight, I was at like 3,800 calories and it's hard hard to do it right. I mean, you can fucking eat McDonald's every day, but, um, so it's not, that's not too crazy, but I think it just lets people see like how big of a swing you can go, like how active you are and healthy you are and consume as many calories and still be healthy. Um, you know, and then on the other side, whenever you're trying to lose weight and need to be around 2000, 2200, whatever your calories are, um, it's just good to know roughly what you need to be at. And like, that's why I mentioned too, if you're trying to lose weight and you're like, I'm hitting this many calories and I'm not losing weight, then crank that dial down a little bit or alternate it. Right. Maybe you need to go up for a, a few weeks and go back. But, um, I thought it was interesting because I think people were pretty surprised and kind of pissed off. People were like, that's unhealthy. And it's just, you know, it's not true. I don't know. And as, uh, as the, as time goes, the fight may be off the Elon Zuck fight may be off, but I think that it's, more apparent now that Zuck would probably fucking win that fight, right? Even just the the training and mental fortitude, and I don't know, he just yeah, seems much think, more I don't, I don't reserved about the whole thing. Chance. Yeah, Elon's just like I feel like Elon's taking it as a big joke, and Zuck like trains every day. Zuck even like came out with a comment where he was like, "I'm calling this fight off," or he's just, he's just like, "The fight's not happening. I'm moving on to actually like training right. and fighting people who are 
actually care about the sport because he actually does like like the sport and hangs out with people who are fighting in the sport and you know elon's just a big troll anyways and i i you know i like elon but i think he's still a fucking troll I yeah think he's for sure he's a he's a weirdo but yeah and i was watching those um, fights last night actually watched uh sean o'malley get his did he win? get his belt he did yeah so oh, my brother and I last I, night were watching it and it's it's crazy to see because you're talking about that we we're talking about the size difference too I, elon's much bigger but dude those guys fighting at like 135 could absolutely fucking tear my ass up it's insane yep, yep. it's insane I, I think about that all the time i'm like i see the yeah the people who are like 135 which like in real life when you'd watch when you'd see them you're like you are so much smaller than me quaint but, you see them you see them on the you know, in the octagon or see them fight in this, how, like just how, how trained you know, dangerous is the word I would dangerous. use. Yeah. Yes. Fucking dangerous, man. So I don't know. I, I did put myself out there one time saying wrestling. You did. Dude, M- hey, we're dude, we MMA. Doing that. Get me out. I don't care if I'm fighting a fucking trained woman. And it doesn't yeah. matter. Like I, I am not yeah. up for that. The wrestling is a totally different thing because you can't actually Maybe it could kill me. I don't fucking know, man. I just don't really want to fight anybody at the end of the day. I just want to kiss. Well, you already agreed to it, so whenever, whenever uh, halfway healthy blows up, then uh, what was it? It was like a high school champion. I would have to fight. I think Fuck. we said like one fifty. I think we said something around that, like you had to fight like a top ten uh, high school athlete, like in some state. Uh, and I th- it wasn't, it wasn't 110. I think it was like 135 or like some, some smaller class, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's what it was. God, it makes, that would be so fun. Oh God, dude. Pay, I'm wearing the high school kid to come out. And, I'm yeah, wearing the sexiest English, fucking but... leotard, dude. My shit's going to mm-hmm. be just dripping out. It'll be awesome. We'll have to get some custom, some custom made. All right, dude. Well, when it comes to your hot takes, I have nothing really much to say about those. Uh, those are all, agree with any I of mean, them, or do you disagree with I, any of them? I agree with all of them and I don't, I want to, I want to meet the person that disagrees with any of those. Those are just extremely straightforward, logical reasoning. I mean, literally dumb down some of the other classes we have and put more into financial education and health education. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't teach you granted checks are kind of outdated, but you still, I remember going into college in my, uh, I shared a, a townhouse with two other dudes and we had to write checks and we were all just like, how the fuck do you write a check? Yep. And we had to figure it out. Right. And then like, like you said, just a personal finance class, they offer that as like an elective that nobody took they yeah. make that. And then same with health education, you had to be in home ec to learn anything about nutrition. Yeah. You know? Granted the, just, that age is not interested in any of that stuff anyway. So who knows how much would be absorbed, but we are doing our youth a not, disservice by not educating them on it. But also, not everybody's interested in history. Not everybody's interested in, in, interested in math. Not everybody's interested in, you know, uh, psychology. But we have to take, I don't know, you don't have to take psychology. But you know what I'm saying? You have to take those courses anyways, right? And then even out of that, you might have some people who are like, I went into freshman, sophomore year math hating it. And then junior year, I had a great teacher who got me excited. And now I'm a mathematician, whatever, right? Like you think there's things people will get excited or get, you know, inspiration by going to a nutrition class or to a finance class or whatever. It's just, it, yeah, it's crazy to me that that hasn't been implemented, especially now that we're like decreasing. It's another rant. Now that we're decreasing like kids PE time and stuff, like we're letting them move less and we're teaching them no more about nutrition or exercise or anything like that. It's just wild to me. Yeah. And then we've talked about some, a lot of the other stuff on the podcast already. So I know you probably agree. The only one I know that's probably controversial is the, the, health insurance for 
you know, yeah. crazy stuff only and then free healthcare. I mean, anytime something stuff. becomes political, it's, there's going to be controversy and I don't, I hate that healthcare is tied to political affiliations because it shouldn't be, you know, I think that living and living healthy should be a right for people, you know, obviously think, there's yeah. stipulations within that, but sure. I don't know. I don't know, man. Are you going to quick question? I know we got to wrap up, but are, would you ever consider homeschooling your kids? Yeah. I mean, my, my wife, you know, she's a trained teacher and, um, she's, she's taught them so much already at like two and a half. And she's, she's on, she's more on that side of the fence than I am. Um, I have like a foot hanging over that fence and I'm dangling on the other side. God, that's so much foot. Oh, it's a lot of foot baby. So I'm, I'm kind of there, but, um, you know, I, I have, I have a, a love for public schools and like what you learn being in a public school. Um, and just like having to fucking grind it out and be around other people and be in social events and things like that. Um, but I feel like, you know, up to like sixth grade is like, I don't know if that's like super critical as long as they are in activities where they're not just like by themselves. Cause I know a lot of weirdo homeschool kids, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, uh, so I don't know. I've, I've, probably more interested now. I'm still not for it hundred percent for my kids yet, but I, I could consider it, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that I'm having to consider now or think about it just because my, you know, Meg teaches the boys right now and she wants to maybe do that for a little while longer. So we'll see. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Just, I was curious just hearing your, uh, displeasure with the American education system, if that was something that you would consider doing. But. Well, and that's why I would even consider there's a school local to us who's like, it's called a charter school, which is like in between a private school and a public school. You still pay for it. Um, but I have a patient now whose kids are in it and she's telling me about all the shit that they get to do. And I'm like, damn, I guess I might be paying for school. And I love, I think public schools are great, but like the school at the end of the year, the last three weeks of school, they have to all go and do like, uh, they have to pick something they, they want to go do. So one of them, they went and camped at the river for like three days. The other one, they went to a baking school where they baked and learned from bakers for like three or four days. The other one, they went to a farm and learned how, like what farming was and how, like just life experience that'll actually stick yeah. with you. Not Exactly. just classroom textbook bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, that is, and then throughout the year they do these different, like they all have to volunteer at these random things that are like partnered with the, just like getting you out and doing stuff. You know, and I'm like, that's, that's what kids need more. And I mean, I didn't get that. In, I didn't get that where I went, but, um, so I'm just at least considering that now that I have kids, I have to actually think about that stuff, which is weird. Right. Interesting. Interesting. But, well, Dalton, great fucking episode, man. Thanks for chatting with me. Of course, dude. Love you. Yeah. Love you, man. And uh, thank you for being here as well. Thank you all for listening. And we will leave you off with that with a little longer episode. But, you know, Corey and I just sometimes we get on and we just love talking to each other. And they just they go a little long. Hopefully you guys were along for the ride. Let us know if uh, this episode sucked or if you want to see anything different from us. And we'll do our best to not listen. But we love you. We'll talk to you next week. See Later. You, Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful if you could just hop on to Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and give us a five-star review. It really helps us out a lot. Also, check out our sponsors and the links provided in the description of the episode for some great discounts on products. If you want some short health tips and news sent to your inbox every week, do me a favor, jump on to healthybirds.org and sign up for our newsletter. 
If you have any questions, comments, or even complaints about my personality flaws, you can email me directly at dalton at healthybirds.org. We would love to connect with all of you. Until next time, be happy, be healthy.